So we were talking before about, you know, one of the perils of working in a, you know, running a dev shop uh, as, a, as a concept is that nobody's running around with a, like a name tag around their neck that says, I'm in need of app dev services, right? And yep. so how do we find and surface meaningful demand in a reliable way for an app dev business? Yeah, that's the, that's one of the biggest challenges, I think, running essentially kind of an agency. Can be any agency, but our world is big into tech and software engineering, as well as my background. So, in that context, you're trying to figure out, you know, it's a it becomes a logistical operations management issue. Like, how do I line up enough projects to keep my team busy, keep enough business coming in, so that I'm not going to have resources sitting around idle, right? There's all these. This is all the stuff that like going around in these business owners' heads in terms of how am I going to run a healthy business essentially, and if you're heavily dependent upon referrals, which most of them are in order to maintain and grow, then the challenge then becomes the unpredictability of referrals because one month you could have a ton coming in another you might not have any. So I think what you need to look to do is leverage different strategies to figure out how you can improve the consistency of where you're going to find new opportunities, which is a lot in, I think, in terms of getting benefit out of there better understanding where they're coming from and what the level of performance looks like versus how much time and effort you're investing in each. So I think it's about figuring out kind of a good balance there. And we could talk about some of the specifics too. So that that sort of relationship management issue that that becomes, right? Because managing referrals is very much an exercise of managing relationships. So when you're an app dev shop and your real focus is, you know, starting to dig into the sort of technical weeds, do the engineering on that stuff, um, your interest and natural skill set may not be aligned to that relationship management conversation. I think mm -hmm. it's it's a, a very tricky thing, particularly from the outside in, to figure out how to put all those pieces together. Uh, so, so what's worked for you in the past in that conversation? Yeah, so having been kind of a soloist all the way up to having a team and managing technical agencies and things like that, I think it's understanding the role that you're in or the role that you need to be in to make the maximum impact based on the type of organization you want to have. So as you, as your organization is growing and your team is growing and you may be working on bigger projects and that's bringing in additional revenue and hopefully all things are going well and you're growing, your role changes. And I know we know a lot of business owners that own these technical agencies, dev shops, et cetera, that originally were, you know, one of the primary, if not the only software engineer at the company, right? So that's how a lot of them got started. But as you are growing, your role also needs to evolve, which means you're going to need to own different things at your company as you make it through those additional phases and ultimately what those become. And the, I think the common way to kind of break them down and figuring out is like, there's three natural areas. There's basically like sales and business development at the top. In the middle, you've got operations. And then on, on the other end, you've got all the administrative things required to kind of run your organization. In the beginning, you might be kind of doing all of those things, but as you grow larger and your team does too, I think the most common way to start figuring out how you might delegate is from the bottom up. So basically the reverse order of how I mentioned them, looking for help in the administrative areas first, then operations, and then sales and business development. And I think that's kind of by design because two different, two different reasons is I think it's probably easiest and most effective to do it that way. And the second is 
really it's all about, and you know, we know this because we've done this building our own companies, but it's about understanding what process you're expecting people to have to follow. So you may not have a definitive standard operating procedure for your sales or business development on the earlier end of things, because things are just coming to you via referral. Right. So that, that referral sort of um, management and mitigation part, um, as you're, as you're growing your, your business, you're, you're going to find that that kind of has a tendency to move and change. One of the challenges, particularly in, in my experience with that, um, is keeping those relationships alive, right? You want to make sure a client that you had, you know, five or six years ago, which in the tech, in the tech sort of band, you know, uh, life cycle is uh, a, a whole lifetime ago, um, you, you need to keep that relationship alive. And one of the ways that's really powerful to make that happen and, and manage that uh, is having a great content distribution strategy where you can put that kind of keep alive content where uh, you maintain your thought leadership, you maintain that relationship, uh, even in a passive way, um, out to a larger kind of audience. That really starts to speak to uh, something that we talk about on a regular basis, which is the uh, the difference between hunting and farming, right? So, um, you know, hunting one deal at a time, yeah, you can get fed, uh, but it's it's a lot more reliable if you build the farm. And uh, when you farm those relationships, it's about providing value and, and, and increasing value for everyone kind of in that exchange. Uh, and the notion there is that those referrals should sort of be, be bearing fruit over time. But, but putting that keep alive content out there uh, becomes then its own kind of kind of job. So um, there, there are strategies for doing that. And I know we've got some good ones, uh, but I want to hear about maybe your top two or three strategies for uh, keeping those, those referral relationships alive. Yeah. And I think that's a, a really big part of it. You know, a lot of the business owners that we work with, a podcast chef, they speak to the fact that there aren't a ton of people just sitting around waiting for a dev shop to reach out to them to immediately buy a project. <laughs> that plus there's plenty of options out there as well too. And there's a lot of people doing kind of like bad practice, which is spammy nonsense via email or otherwise platforms like LinkedIn. I'll give you an example. I was looking to hire a uh, developer for one of the tools that we're building. And I put a post on Upwork. And since then, I think I've gotten 10 messages per day by both email and LinkedIn saying like, hey, I see you're hiring software developers. Would you like to hire, insert software development company here? And it's like, it's it becomes overwhelming quickly <laughs> when stuff like that happens. But I don't have any relationships with any of these firms and it's easy to start them up. So I'm looking for something that I can trust, which is more than likely going to be me going to my network to figure that out most of the time or leverage those kind of trusted resources to find what it is that we're we're hoping for. So with this competition, you know, part of what I think is figuring out, and you mentioned the hunting versus farming, I think it's a great construct to think through. People get excited about hunting because it's, I don't know, the thrill of like victory and finding that and controlling your destiny that way. But it is something that once you do get a win, you got to kind of start all over again versus the farming component, which I think is a much more sustainable way to do it. And it's really kind of the dream for a lot of these organizations where people are coming to you that need your help. But there's a lot you got to do in order to build the construct and the routine, really, in order to let those results, give those results the appropriate investment and time to materialize. So for me, you know, depending on which of those two strategies make the most sense for you, of the business owners that we speak with, they say the vast majority of the opportunity for their respective 
software development company comes from referrals. So it's about maintaining those relationships with the people in your network so that you stay top of mind for them when these events do come around, as in like when they do need help, like we do now, for example, the folks that I have that I'm thinking of most top of mind in that moment are the folks that I'm going to go to first. So question to me then becomes, how do you do that? Like, how do you make sure you're staying top of mind for them? Well, there's a couple of different options, right? It's making sure that you have regular touch points with them, but it would be better if you had essentially like a good reason to reach out or you're sharing something new or you're collaborating in some way, right? You can do a webinar together or you want them to be a guest on your podcast, for example, uh, to talk about some relevant topic. And there's always something new, right? Like ChatGPT is really hot right now in terms of how that's going to change product and engineering. And I'm talking a lot about that in the content I produce. So <clears throat> I think it's a matter of figuring out basically how to stay close to your network, right? How to stay close and manage your network because it requires regular investment. And then it's how do you grow it from there, right? Continue to be able to manage the connections that you have, but then make more as well too. And for me, I, I can't do anything in a sustainable way unless it's part of my routine. So I have to figure out how to design it. And I usually work backwards from like, here's the time that I can allocate to investing in it. That gets me a better understanding in terms of the different tactics or strategies that I think may make sense because I can fit those into those windows. And then it's a period of kind of going through and managing them, like running a podcast, for example, until I have the opportunity to kind of evaluate the results. And once I'm able to evaluate the results, I can figure out what I want to continue to invest in or what I might want to mix up. So, you know, and, and you and I've talked about this as well. And, and one of the things there that becomes particularly interesting, at least for the engineers of the world, right, um, is you know, now I'm, I'm producing like, let's say all this content. Um, I have maybe forgotten the story that this is about maintaining relationships. Um, and I just look at my expense, like I'm producing all this content. How can I connect this directly back to, you know, lead gen revenue, you know, uh, and, and the accountant in me wants to go, yeah, that, you know, make those, make those things work. Um, when, when we look at things like a podcast or, um, you know, creating blog content or putting shorts out or putting videos out, you know, the, the peril is to look at that stuff and go, um, you know, that video that I made or that podcast, that single podcast that I recorded didn't get me anything. Uh, and I liken that to, um, going into the gym, lifting the weights once and expecting to get swole, right? That's not the way it goes. Um, to your point, it's dialing it into that uh, that repeated pattern. Um, how do you how do you coach somebody who is uh, stuck in that like the the regular stuff I'm doing is not working? Or I had a podcast for you know three and a half weeks and it never got me any business. What do you say to somebody like that who uh, maybe has unreal expectations or uh, isn't able to connect those kind of the end endpoints together? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, we see this from time to time is it really depends on the situation that you're facing, right? To me, I like to, what's been most beneficial for me in business is planning for the long-term as in anything that isn't going to be something I need so-called immediately, then I have the, the ability to make the right type of investment and in the right way that enables me to evaluate how well I've made progress towards my goals. If it's something that needs to be done right away or you're looking for immediate results, that makes it really difficult for techniques like farming to pay off because 
you know, you plant the crop, it's not going to show up tomorrow. <laughs> you've got to nurture it. You've got to water. You got to take care of it, right? Eventually, it will produce and continue to produce. But there's a period of investment there that you need to be patient enough with or be in a position to be able to benefit from it and make that investment. Otherwise, don't do it at all. So if you need results in like days or weeks, then I, I really don't think you should consider the farming technique. You need to handle whatever it is you need to do. And I'm not saying don't do that, but you need to be in a position where you give yourself, I would say at least months, like I would say three to six months worth of an opportunity to invest in a longer term strategy, like starting up a podcast and being able to see its results and then continually investing in it, which is why I'm, I'm constantly reinforcing fitting it into your routine so that it's something that could become more of a habit for you, something that you don't easily give up on before you're able to actually evaluate the results. Because if you only you know, run podcasting for three weeks, you shouldn't have done it at all because that's essentially just wasted. Um, what you should be doing is setting yourself up for six months of at least you know a weekly episode, ideally with a guest, in order to see some real results because what you're doing is you're using it as a more efficient and effective networking tool, right? So it's about figuring out how to leverage techniques like that to help accomplish whatever goals it is you're trying to achieve. And if referrals is a big part of your business, then networking is a really effective way to generate referrals. Podcast is a really great way to do the networking. So I think it's, uh, I you know, I see this all the time with, with my clients. They, they want to burn down the farm uh, and it's, it's the flowers just started to appear on the plants. They're going to turn into fruit and they're like, yeah, this isn't working. And they try and burn down the whole thing. Uh, it, it drives me kind of crazy. Cause it's like, look, you just, you're so close, right? You're in the last, you're in the last, whatever, you know, 10 feet of the, the race and you're about to, to burn it all down. Um, I think the, the other thing that's important to understand too, about this is, um, you almost have to move the goalposts a little bit as you go, because the definition of success here is uh, it changes over time, right? That uh, that engineering uh, kind of mindset where you're like, okay, you know, I've put you know I've put X number of dollars in this side, or I've put X number of hours into of effort into this side, I'm expecting Y number of dollars on the other side. That that formula is. Um, uh, there's so many moving pieces in the middle that there's like almost a black box in, in there. So um, you have to, to create sort of uh, interim step goals as you go. And so it becomes things, this is why folks are tracking things like YouTube views or subscribers or stuff like that, because those are interim steps to achieve that objective. So tying it back into data, like sort of the news you can use, the data that you can manage by, which is kind of, you know, a really important thing in the, in the engineering space is is understanding how those pieces all fit together. And I think that's where uh, it really makes sense if you're not familiar to talk to somebody uh, like the folks at Podcast Chef or any of the, you know, the more meaningful uh, companies out there helping folks build those farming relationships to understand what those levers are, those performance levers along the way. So you don't look at the entire thing and just get instantly demoralized. Yeah, it's well said. I mean, really be in a position to be able to make a long-term investment in some of these strategies. But at the same time, the stuff that can make it easier on you is to plan to start small. Like don't expect ridiculous results right out of the gate. If you're doing something like leveraging a farming technique to try to help you with generating referrals moving forward. And, you know, I really think it's really important to make it fit into your routine 
because if you try to cram it into a window that's unrealistic or you've got all these fires everywhere, then you're just not in a good position to do that yet. So wait until you are. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, you. Yes, you. It's uh, 2024 and you don't have a podcast yet. Or maybe you do, but you're struggling with it. Uh, we will talk to you about that uh, for free. We'll help you figure out uh, where you might be stuck, uh, whether or not we can help you for sure. But also, uh, if you don't have one yet, what are the like first five things you can do? Uh, what are some great angles that you can use to make sure that your podcast was sustainable as you start to develop that moving forward? Uh, those consults are free. So reach out at the link below uh, in the show notes or email me at brian at podcastchef.com. Thanks. Hi, this is Brian. Thanks for listening to the show. Uh, our website, podcastchef.com, has a ton of useful information about how to best leverage podcasting to help you solve some of your business goals and challenges. You can also schedule a demo uh, where we can show you how specifically Podcast Chef and our team can help you with some of your podcasting goals. Thanks. Thanks.